0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher. I'm at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your household, your family are doing well. We are on the subject of uh, God's grace and man's faith. And so uh, we are into the subject of faith. And yesterday we were talking about how to acquire faith, how to get faith. And we, were, we studied, you know, what the scripture says to get faith. There's only one way to get faith and that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then we begin to talk about how to get to know the nature of God, the character of God, because that has everything to do with faith. So now we're going to go into that and how to acquire how to get faith and how to know the nature and the ways of God because see you can't have faith unless you know the nature and the character of God because some people say well mysterious are the ways of the Lord and that's not true they are mysterious if you don't know his word but when you know his word because his word in his word he expresses himself his ways and his thoughts and so that is how we know and you can actually know the ways and the thoughts of God and that's How you get faith. Anyway, let's go to to Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 11. Now, this is what the Lord says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God is saying that, listen, he's telling us, he says, look, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. And the difference between them is this. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so f- so much higher are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That, that means there's an infinite, you know, you can stand up, look at the sky, how high are the heavens? Infinitely. You can't even uh, fathom how high the heavens are. And so it's an infinite distance. So what God is saying that, listen, my ways and my thoughts are as higher, As much higher above your ways and thoughts at the heavens and the earth. And then he tells us how we can get to know his ways and thoughts. It says, verse 10, he gives the example of the rain. He says, for as the rain comes down from heaven to the earth and the snow from heaven and returns not thither. He says, when the rain and the snow come down to the earth, they don't go back but they water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So he says just like the rain and the snow come down and water the earth and and, and make the earth produce fruit so it gives uh, seed to the sower and bread to the eater in the same way Verse 11, so shall my word be that goeth forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. So what he's saying is that, yes, my ways and my thoughts are higher than your ways and uh, and your thoughts, and they're infinitely higher than you. But this is how you can get to know my ways and my thoughts, because my words They come down from heaven to the earth. He says, that's the only way. So religion tries to climb up to the sky to understand what God is like, but man can never do it. That's religion. Revelation is when God comes down to earth. That is why there are so many religions of this earth, but Jesus is revelation because he's the word that came down from heaven. But here we are talking about this word that so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall come to the earth. And it shall not bounce back to me without any fruit, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. So God sends the word from heaven into our hearts with a purpose in mind. And what is the purpose of that word? So that it should prosper in us. That's why He says God sent his word so that the word may prosper in us. So he sent it to us. God sent his word To human beings like you and me, with with his purpose, is that with his purpose that the word should prosper in us and produce fruit and bear fruit. So, that is the whole purpose of the word of God. This book, everything in this book came, is not man's made up thing, but this is revelation from God. It has come from heaven. The revelation came to this earth. It was printed in a book form and given to me. So, this book. When I read it, the first purpose it does, it shows me his ways and his thoughts, which I could never fathom because there's so much higher than me. But because his word has now come, I can know his ways and his thoughts. And secondly, Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh or comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And let me just say this to you, faith is not produced in us. Faith is not produced. The word doesn't produce faith in us, but faith comes. Where does faith come from? It comes from heaven. Where does it come to? It comes to my heart. And who brings it? The word of God. So you can safely say that the written word of God, every letter, every syllable of the written word of God are like containers that carry the faith of God from heaven to us. So that's how when we hear the word of God and when we hear the word of God, when we hear the word of God, faith comes to us. So the more you give yourself to hearing the word of God, this is what you get. You understand the purposes of God. You understand the ways of God and you understand the thoughts of God and then you get faith. So the word brings all four. It brings the purposes of God. It brings the character, the nature of God, and all those things, you know, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, etc., cetera, et cetera, Plus, it brings faith to you. Hallelujah. I hope you understand what I'm saying. The word brings all that from heaven to us. So here is the process of faith. If you want faith, these are the four steps to faith. First is hear the word. Secondly, believe the word. Thirdly, speak the word or, and, and speaking also means meditating the word and fourth, act on the word. Now let me show this to you. Number one, hear the word. Okay, so remember it's the word of God that is the key. So how we process the word of God in our inner man to get more faith. Firstly, we hear the word of God. Hearing the word of God can mean reading Hearing or studying the Word of God. That means if we read the Word of God, that is included in hearing the Word of God. You read the Word of God, so the Word of God enters you through your eyes. You hear the Word of God, the Word of God enters you through your ears, and you study the Word of God. So all that, right? That is hear the Word of God. We hear the Word of God. Now, when we hear the Word of God, then comes the next step. The next step is believe the Word of God believe the word of god because many many times what god says it goes against your intellect and in fact the more educated you are the more schooled you are in the sciences and all that the more your emotions your sense of uh, understanding and logic are going to contradict the word so that's when you have to decide i am going to believe the word of god I'm going to believe everything I see and read in the Bible for one simple reason. Because God is wiser than me. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Because the thing is that if I'm a very highly intellectual person and I think I'm very educated and very highly developed, you know, in my intellect, I read something in the Bible and it sounds so foolish to me. And I say, you know, I don't believe it. It doesn't make sense. So now this is what is happening. This is what's happening. The thing that I see that I consider foolish, right? The Bible says that foolishness of God is wiser than all the PhDs I have earned. Do you understand what I'm saying? The thing of God that sounds foolish to me, that sounds that it doesn't make sense to me, that is greater in wisdom than the wisdom of man. So that is why, for secondly, just believe the word of God. How do you believe the word of God? Just make up your mind. Listen, whatever I read, I will just believe it. It's, it's a decision we have to make. Now, the third thing is to speak the word. Speak the word. I'm going to read to you from Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou might may, mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. So if you want to make your way prosperous, <coughs> prosperous actually means successful. And you want to be successful in life. This is what you do. It says the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That means that the word shall be in your mouth. And I call it speak the word. Take the word in your mouth. The word that you hear, the word that you believe, speak it, speak it, speak it. it. Because when you speak the word, it is powerful. It is powerful. So, you know, uh, I, I I speak to myself all the time and I say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you bore my sicknesses and with your stripes I have been healed. I thank you, Jesus, I have been healed. I thank you, Jesus, that, you know, you take the word and you speak the word and I speak the word all the time when I'm alone, when I'm, uh, you know, the Bible says how David encouraged himself in the Lord, how you build yourself up in faith. You speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. Some people say You know, I'm believing God for this. No, uh, uh, Don't tell me what you're believing for. I want to hear what's coming out of your mouth. Because what is coming out of your mouth, that is what tells me where you are spiritually. So don't just say, I'm believing in here. No, don't say that. Just speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it. What is coming out of your mouth is important. So, But we're going to talk about that later, a couple of days time, when we get down to the whole thing about Uh, about speaking faith the spirit of faith we're going to get down to that but anyway but it says this book of the law God said to Joshua it shall not leave your mouth it shall stay in your mouth you shall speak in your mouth but you shall meditate therein." now let me tell you what meditation means this is a I'll give you a funny story you know where where I grew up there were lots of camels camels were very common and uh, here in America you don't see camels but where I grew up there were camels so One day I was standing at a railway crossing and we were there for an hour or so. The train wasn't coming. The gate was down and right next to me was a big cart being pulled by a camel. So I was sitting, getting bored. I was just looking at the camel, observing the camel and uh, the camel looked at the camel's face and the camel is chewing on something, some grass or hay. He had it in his mouth. He was chewing and chewing. I was watching him chewing and then suddenly I saw him swallow. And you know, a camel has a neck about, I don't know, six, eight feet long. And I saw like a ball of whatever it was eating, he was eating, go down his throat and disappear. And then the camel just stood still looking around. Then after a few minutes, I saw this ball come up, you know, came up his throat, into his mouth, and he began to chew again. He chewed on it for a long time. Then he swallowed it. Then it came up again. He did this three, four times. So I thought, I've never seen, I, I mean, I can't do that. Bring food up from your stomach and chew it and bring it down. So then I did some study on it. In those days, when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. So I studied in an encyclopedia. I found out it's a process called ruminating. So animals, certain animals that that, that have that capability, cows do that. So they have several, I think they have, if I remember correctly, there are four compartments in their stomach. So the camel will take the grass or whatever it is eating the leaves, chew it, take all the nutrition out of it, and swallow it. And then after some time, he'll take it up again, and then he'll swallow it, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it again and again for a long time. Then he'll swallow it. It'll go to a second sack in his stomach, and then He'll take it out again, then he'll chew it again, then go to the third stomach, and by the time it comes up again, gone down to the fourth stomach, there's nothing left in it. All the nutrition has been sucked out of it. Now that's called ruminating, and that's what meditation means. That that you take the word of god you take it in your mouth you chew on it you chew on it because the word is so good you chew on it whatever it is can be a word of healing or blessing you speak the word you speak the word you speak the word and when you're speaking the word it's not mind over matter okay it's not that you are trying to create something You, you, you listen you and i are people we don't create stuff and we can't make things happen by magic. It's not magic. What we are doing is that we are working the word inside us. And as we do that, faith comes to us. Plus, it also renews our mind. You know, that's also another process, but that happens altogether. Faith comes, our mind is being renewed, and our minds get more aligned with the word of God, and our thoughts get aligned with the thoughts of God because the the thoughts of God are revealed in the word. So what happens, we we chew on the word, we chew on the word, we chew on the word until the word becomes not only words that you read, printed on a piece of paper, but it becomes the whole concept actually becomes a part of your DNA. It becomes a part of your core beliefs because you see, a person can say, I believe Jesus bore my diseases and I'm healed. Well, how do you know it? Well, it's written in the book. I read it and I believe it. Uh, but there's a difference between, but that's called mental assent. You you agree with something, right? Uh, uh, but uh, but to. Uh, have faith is when you get a, and the, the word becomes like a revelation. Some people call it revelation, but it's actually an illumination. Illumination is when that written word comes alive in your life, in your heart. It consumes you and it becomes a part of you. So it's no longer a truth or a precept. You have read on a piece of paper, but it is a part of you. And that's what it is that you he says, "The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night." That means you take the word in your mouth, speak it, speak it, speak it, and you chew on it day and night. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to this. So, and then in Proverbs four verse twenty to twenty-three, it says, "This is what God says: My son, attend to my words; incline thine ear unto my saying." So the Lord is saying, "My son, now." This is good because, as I said two days ago, faith is relational. So God addresses us as sons. Isn't that wonderful? He calls us His sons. He said, "Look, my son, listen. Come to me. Let me tell you. Attend to my words. Listen to my words, and incline your ears unto my sayings." So give your ears to my word, listen to my word. Then he says, let them not depart from thine eyes in verse 21. That means keep the word before your eyes. Listen to my word, read my word, and then you keep it in your heart. So keep it in your ears and in your, in, in your eyes and keep it in your heart. Why? Because they are life unto those that find them and health to their flesh. And that's how healing comes. Healing comes when the word comes to you and you chew on it, you meditate on it, you hear it until it falls from your brain into your heart, becomes a part of you and that is when you find the word. That means that that is when you have the revelation and that is when then the word explodes inside of you and it brings life and healing to your body. So the word of God actually works on you from inside and it works your way out. But to get the word in is through the speaking the word and meditating, so it said you hear the word and then you you keep it in your heart. That means you you work the word inside your heart by speaking it, speaking it by your stripes. And I remember when I went to Bible school and. We were from we came from Sweden and we had hardly any money and then we ran out of money, couldn't pay our school fees, and we were not allowed to work in America. The people in Sweden, they thought we were very rich because we could afford to go to America for Bible school. The people in America thought that we were very rich because we had come all the way from Sweden to study and uh and we were not working but that was because we were not allowed to work so everyone on both sides thought we were rich but we didn't have much so we ran out of money and then i remember we had to pay the school fees the next day and uh and and the word of the lord came to me and it first philippians 4 19 it says my god shall supply all your needs according to riches and glory by christ jesus and i know that word uh, Philippians four nineteen was actually given to tithers and givers. Uh, everybody can't claim that scripture. Only givers and tithers, because if you read the whole chapter, uh, it says that Paul was saying this to them because they were givers. So I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I qualify for this because I'm a giver. I'm a tither. My wife and I are givers and tithers. So. Hear it. Your word says, my God, you are my God and you shall supply, not that you might, but you shall, you shall supply all, not some, but all of our needs according to riches and glory by Christ. That means you're going to do it big. You're going to do it big way. And when I said that, you know, I broke that scripture up and I spoke it up. It feels like I was lying, you know, but I kept on, I kept on pressing on. I think for like an hour, hour and a half, I was pacing our living room floor, uh, floor in that little apartment, I, my God, he's my God, he's my God. Oh, hallelujah, he's my God. And he says that he shall, he shall, he shall, he shall supply all my needs. He shall supply all our needs because we are givers, we are tithers and he shall supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. That means he's going to do it in a big way in Christ Jesus. And we went on and on and on. Every time we said it, it feels like you're making a fool of yourself. This wouldn't work. And everyone thinks you're rich. Nobody knows you have a need. This one. And the, that's what the devil said. That's what my mind said. But I pressed on with Britta and I kept on speaking that word for
1: hour, hour and a half,
0: until suddenly it felt like, something dropped from here into my heart. It was like you know in the old days you had those coin operated phones and you put the coin and how the coin goes down and then it hits the bottom and then the ringtone comes out. That's how I felt that the word just dropped and the moment the word dropped I said hallelujah. I said to Britta I said it's done. She said it is. I said it is done because now it's in here i got it in here i'm not struggling with it or fighting with it up here i have it in here and that's a revelation that is what uh, when you find the word and the next day uh, we were sitting in the classroom and i just knew it was done i was not worried then they called my name they said christopher Alam, could you come to the office the, the the bible school office the front desk and when you did that you've done something wrong i went there And the lady said to me, she says, brother Christopher, uh, somebody has paid uh, the Bible school fees for you and your wife, and and you don't have to pay for the rest of the time you're going to be here. And I said, Hallelujah, it's taken care of. And that, but you see, these things happen when we work the word inside us. Okay, so so it says, for their life to those that find them, and health to their flesh. So. You've got to take the word from word of God because that is the key. It all comes from the word and you've got to work the word inside you for to, by speaking it and meditating on the word and speaking the word of God again and again. And then comes the last step. The last step is act on the word. You've got to put legs to your faith. It's not enough to say, I have faith, I feel this, but you've got to do something about it. You have to do something about it. And look what it says here. I'm going back to Joshua 1. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. It means the word shall be in your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. That means you shall work it in day and night. That thou mayest observe to do. That means You have to do according to all that is written therein. So that's the last step. The first step is hearing the word. This is the process of faith, Okay, How faith comes to your heart and to my heart. Firstly, hear the word. Secondly, believe the word. Thirdly, speak the word. And fourthly, is to act on the word. Act on the word means do something, tithe, give, even if you don't have money. Be a giver, be a, because I had said, I had said, Lord, when I first heard about tithing, I always tithed. I said, Lord, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, when, when I was tithing, I was, I had him, I, I worked cleanings Floor, sweep, you know, sweeping, cleaning toilets and floors. I just made a pittance, but I tithered out of that. And then on top of that, it, it, you know, God would tell me, I want to give so much money to so-and-so, so-and-so. And, and, and it felt like, oh, God trusts me. So when he wants someone to get some money, he comes to me. He knocks on my door because I'm the one who is faithful in giving and I was giving. So because he faith Uh, It's not just enough to say, well, I'm believing God. Oh, I'm believing God for money. I'm believing God for a healing. Well, praise God. No, you speak it to. It's not enough to believe it. You speak it, you speak it, you speak it. And then you act on the word. So I tell people, you know what? Be a tither, be a giver. And be a prayer warrior. Pray and win souls for Jesus. And serve all those things, the right things to do. Do them. Observe and keep the word, do the word, obey God, and then whatever you see in the Bible, act on it. Because that, that's one thing I tell people. They say, what should I do? I say, if whatever you see in the Bible, do it. If the Bible says, tithe, you tithe. The Bible says, give, give. The Bible says, serve, you serve. The Bible says, pray, be a prayer warrior, be at all the prayer meetings, and be, you know, be a servant. So do all these things, okay? So that is, that is how how faith comes. Praise God. Now, the next another way you're influenced by faith is through um, let's see, is through family and pedigree. Paul said to Timothy about his mother and his grandmother, 2 Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwell first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that in thee also. So while was addressing Timothy, he said, listen, I knew your grandmother was a woman of faith. Your mother was a woman of faith and it lives in you. Now, let me just say this. Association, I mean, pedigree can push you in the right direction. It can influence you in a godly way. It can inspire you. But the word of God can only only the word of God can impart faith. You know, you can have a godly f- grandmother, a godly mother, but that doesn't mean you'll be a godly man or woman of God. Because Levi Petrus, who was the founder of the of the Pentecostal movement in Sweden, he said before he died, he a, preached a message which was called, God has no grandchildren. God has only children. He has no grandchildren. So, <coughs> So what I'm saying, when I say about faith through pedigree, and family, it doesn't mean that if you're born in a godly home, you'll be godly. If you have a praying grandma or praying mom, you'll be a prayer warrior. No, but that influence that comes from them, if you grew up under that influence, it'll push you in that direction when you will serve God and you will be strong. But you have to subject yourself to that and allow that influence in your life, okay? But ultimately, faith. Your grandmother's faith, your mother's faith doesn't, won't give you faith, but they'll push you towards the word. Ultimately, it's the word that will give you faith. Okay, so that, that's, that's the uh, faith through pedigree, through family, and uh, association, faith by association, by association with men and women of faith. Now, I didn't have the pedigree. I didn't have godly parents, but I always looked to associate myself with men and women who inspired me. So that's why, you know, in the beginning, in the early days, it was men like Harry Greenwood and Ian Andrews. I mean, these were people mightily, mightily used by God. And I used to go to the meetings, sit in the front row, want to talk to them, get to know them. And I I drank of everything they said. And so I learned a lot through that. So it says in Hebrews 13, seven to eight, remember them which have the rule over you. That means, remember those who are senior to you in the faith. Who have spoken unto you the word of God? Whose faith follow? Consider the end of their conversation on the walk. Then it says, Jesus Christ is same yesterday, today, and forever. That means, remember these men and women of God who are examples of faith to you. Remember them. And look at their, follow their faith. That means, if you see a man of faith or a woman of faith, listen. Don't say, well, you know, that's good. God using them, but the Lord speaks to me. No. Listen. When you see a man and a woman of God, that's what I used to do. When I saw a man and a woman of God and I could be close to them, I used to latch on to them. I used to hang out with them as much as I could. Sometimes they didn't want me around, but I hung out with them anyway. I want to be close to them. I wanted to learn from them. So when what happens, again, like in like with pedigree, association can push you in the right direction and it can inspire you. It can touch your heart, touch your mind, but only the word of God can impart faith. So these are two things that God can use. And some of us, like my friend Tim Enlow, I mean, he's like Pentecostal, he's... Uh, uh, he, you know, his his whole family, his wife's whole family. They're all, I have friends like that, especially in the assemblies of God. They're all pastors or missionaries and everyone, you look in their family, they're all men and women of God, powerful. And you grow up in that and it pushes you in that direction. And then you grow up to a man of God. But then there's people like me who don't have that. My whole family was Muslims. So what do I have? I have association. I, I latched onto people like Harry Greenwood and and... Ian Andrews and other men of God in my life, and uh, Dad Hagen, you know, I would latch onto them, be with them, learn from them, observe them, and then I would learn those things. But that, they didn't give me faith. Only the Word of God can do that. But I followed the Word of God, studied the Word of God, and the Word of God did the work in my life. So, if you have the possibility, if you have that pedigree, wonderful. Don't despise it. Hold on to your pedigree and walk with it. Like my friend, Pastor Peter Liffin, he's the great grandson of Spitz Wigglesworth. Can you imagine having heritage like that? I don't have that. But what can I do? I can hang out with men and women of God and learn from them. And the same thing God can give to me through them. And I follow Jesus. Paul said, follow me even as I follow Christ. So, I walk with them, and I walk with Jesus, and I get into the Word of God, and the Word of God gives me everything I need. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Put your hand upon their lives, meet every need they have, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, cause them to grow in their faith, grow in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Let them be full of the fire of God, full of faith. Use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends. And I'll see you tomorrow and we'll continue to talk about these subjects.